Hey, Al. Hey, Barry. Why did the fighter bring his longsword to the wedding? Why? It was a plus one. It's time for a Compelled Duel bonus episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Compelled Duel. I'm Barry. And I'm Al. And we are a single-player, co-DM'd D&D 5e actual play podcast. So, we're sure that you've all been wondering what was going on back in Vogvolder that entire year that Leo and Fee were gone. And we're gonna get a little peek into some of that today. Hope you guys like mysteries, because Ravain and Arave are about to solve one. Ravain, you feel like shit. You are exhausted and sweaty. There is a stretchy red sweatband that's like half off of your head as you walk up to the door of your apartment. Stick the key in the lock, open the door. Hot on your heels is one Arave Enmar who also looks like she feels like shit. She's in a ripped white tennis dress with the collar askew. The little steampunk-type goggles that she always wears, sitting akimbo on her forehead. The two of you share a long look and then walk inside. Sitting at the table, your girlfriend Verity is sitting down enjoying a nice hot mug of tea, looks up at the two of you and smiles brightly. Oh, hi babe! I thought today was your day off, where have you been all day? Ravain hooks the finger under the sweatband and pulls it off with a snap and says, that is a very long, very difficult story. Next to you, Arabe collapses into one of the chairs at your kitchen table with a groan and just puts her head in her hands. Verity, still grinning brightly, goes, yeah, I can see how that's a long story. Why are you two dressed like somebody's middle-aged parents? Ravain is also going to sit down and I think just put his head on the table for a second and without lifting it up say, well, you see, one of Celica's, and he puts his hands up to do air quotes, tennis club friends asked us for a favor and things devolved from there. Ooh, this one sounds like it's going to be good. Spill. As Ravain sits up, our camera goes from color to black and white as he gestures at Arave and says, see what happened was, she walks in, legs up to here, because she was riding a dire elk. You really have to stop riding Phineas in the courtyard, by the way. You begin recounting this film noir version of your day, and we sort of zoom into the story with you. It's really weird. You guys don't have a ceiling fan, but there's like a rickety ceiling fan going on the ceiling. You don't smoke, but you're holding a cigarette for some reason. Arave jumps off of Phineas's back, comes in through the back door. She's in a cocktail dress. She opens her mouth to say something, and the front door opens with a dramatic bang. And with a quick camera cut, we are seeing a frantic-looking Selica Morin with two hands braced on either side of the doorframe. 
She is in a starched white tennis dress and looks a little bit rumpled. Clearly has been engaging in some kind of athletic activity and has a couple stray curls of red hair popping out of her braid. She makes eye contact with you across the room and goes, Oh, thank fuck you're home. Ravane, through the framing device, has magically acquired a lit cigarette, even though he doesn't smoke. And he gestures with it as he says, I mean, yeah, it's my day off. What do you need? I'll explain on the way. We need to move quickly. You two need to come to the tennis club with me now. Aravay tilts her head and goes, Um, neither of us play tennis, Selica. Selica looks very much like she would like to wring Aravay's neck briefly. I know that! The thing is, um, one of my friends at the tennis club had a very important piece of jewelry stolen yesterday. It is imperative that she gets it back, and for multiple reasons she does not want to get the police involved, so I may have, um, offered the deductive services of the two smartest people I know without consulting them about it first. I mean, that's kind of weird. But also, you're plenty smart. Why haven't you figured it out? God damn it, Ravane. I'm an engineer, not a detective. <laughs> not implying that you're a detective, but you read so many mystery novels as a kid. That has to count for something, right? Help me out. Arave puts a finger up. Uh, technically, I'm a detective. I do actually have my Australian private investigator's license. Ravane looks at the book that he was reading, abandoned on the card table, and goes, Yeah, I wasn't doing anything. Let's go. And our gritty film noir camera follows your party as you leave your apartment and head down the street. Erevé, the first thing that strikes you about Selica's Tennis Club is that there are so many old Vulduran ladies here. Selica leads you through a lobby towards an older gnomish lady who is sitting by herself in a very comfy-looking chair, about the human equivalent of, like, 65. Before you get over there, out of earshot of this lady, Selica stops you and turns around with a big, bright smile and says, Alright, I know this was sprung on the two of you very suddenly. But that old bird has paid the last three months of our rent, so be nice to her and don't blow this. And then she gives you both a double thumbs up, turns back around and walks over and very boisterously says, Octavia, didn't I tell you I was going to solve your little problem? And this gnomish lady stands up, takes a couple steps forward and like offers you her hand. Octavia Hamabane, nice to meet you. You must be, and she points at Ravane, the sun, and then she points at you, Arave, and she says, and you are... Arave's not in the habit of introducing herself, because typically when people hear her name, they immediately try to kill her afterwards, so she just kind of clams up, looks at the lady's outstretched hand, and tilts her head a little bit, because Australians don't shake hands unless they're making a deal. I'm a consultant. Right. So, uh, I'm sure Selica mentioned I got a little bit of a situation. Uh, I got this charm bracelet from my 
late husband that I put in my locker yesterday before a match. Me and Celica were the last ones out of the club that day, and when I went back for it, it wasn't there. So I went home to see if maybe I'd left it there, you know. Old age gets the best of all of us, maybe I forgot. Ah, uh, that was not the case and it still hasn't turned up. It's... And roll an insight check. 25. She looks very on edge as she says, It's pretty important to me. Ah, uh, sentimental reasons, you know. Ah, uh, my husband died recently and it's been hard. But anyway... I'd rather not get the cops involved, you understand? Wait, hold on. Why didn't she want to get the cops involved? I thought rich people loved cops. Ravain reaches up to pinch the bridge of his nose and says, I get the feeling that this particular old rich lady has committed like a lot of crimes, but we'll get to that later. Moving on. Arave nods and kind of starts looking around, canvassing the room. Alright, so for us to do our job, we're going to need to know a little bit more about the circumstances. We're obviously going to need a comprehensive list of everybody who would have been in the vicinity in between the time you put the bracelet in the locker and the time that you discovered it missing. In addition, if you'd feel comfortable discussing this or pointing the proverbial finger if you know of anybody that you could imagine had reason to take the bracelet, that would be very helpful. And also, at some point, Ravane and I are going to need to go make a sweep of the locker room, hopefully before the crime scene is any more disturbed than it already has been. Oh, sweetheart, the club just opened. Nobody's been in there since last night. And as for who was in last night, uh, how about you two go get changed and uh, you can join us all for drinks. Arave blinks at her and looks down at, because of the film noir storytelling lens, the cocktail dress that she's wearing. Are we, um, not dressed for the occasion? I'm afraid we don't have anything to change into. Oh, I gotcha. She raises a hand and does a little wave and yells, Bianca, honey, we got anything in the Lona closet? And across the lobby, a younger dwarvish woman you can tell she's like very young because she doesn't have kind of the uh full growth beard that you've seen from a lot of dwarvish women she just has kind of a peach fuzz she is the youngest person in this club by far she's kind of fussing with a beverage cart and she looks up and she goes sure thing mrs hammerbane i'll go check and she bustles off arave watches her go and then turns back over to look at Ravane. Well, this should be interesting. Ravane, you are soon presented with a pile of clothes from the tennis club's loner closet that are given to you by this young dwarvish lady. She's got on a neatly pressed uniform little name tag that says Bianca on it. You and Arabe go change in the bathrooms in the front lobby of the club. This isn't your bag, man. It's not your style. It's like pleated khaki shorts and a white polo shirt with the tennis club logo on the breast you are also given a sweatband and wristbands you look bad you look bad i know i'm not exactly a paragon of fashion but this is a new low arave comes out of the ladies room 
in a tennis dress that matches your outfit. It's starched white, has a little logo on the breast. She's fussing with the skirt, trying to pull it down further than it actually goes. There aren't even shorts underneath this. How is anybody supposed to play tennis in it? I'm just glad anything here is long enough to fit. Verity's been trying to get me to do the crop top thing, and it's not a good look for me. Let's just go. Okay, number one, I keep telling you that you need to lean into your insecurities, babe. It is the ultimate path to amazing fashion. Just trust me on that. Embrace the crop top. You look amazing. Number two, why is it that people that have the most money to go out and buy whatever clothes they want always buy such ugly ones? Arave raises a finger and goes, don't forget impractical. Getting back to today's events... (laughs) Arave grimaces and takes her goggles off of her head and puts them in her bag. Okay, if we're going to be vetting suspects, we should uh, try to blend in. So, I don't know, act rich. How am I supposed to do that, Arave? I grew up in a tower in the woods. (sighs) Fair point. Follow my lead. You two walk over across this lobby where Celica is standing by a door and she sort of waves you over. The door opens out onto this big patio that is overlooking a set of stairs that go down into a big canvas of tennis courts, kind of splayed off into the distance. It is jam-packed with a bunch of old, rich Valduran ladies on a Saturday morning sitting around chatting and chugging mimosas. Bianca, the young lady that had given you the clothes from the loner closet, is practically riding her beverage cart around, trying to keep everybody topped off. She looks extremely overworked and stressed. You follow Celica out onto this patio, and she sort of puts up a hand for you to stop, and nods over toward a long table where you see Octavia Hammerbane sitting down with three other Volduran women. Okay, so in terms of who was here when the bracelet was taken... We stayed pretty late last evening, had one match, more than one drink by far, and then when Octavia and I went back to the locker room, the bracelet was gone. The only people here, between the time that she put the bracelet in the locker and the time we found it missing, are all sitting at that table. She nods over at an older dwarven lady with fully gray hair and beard who is laughing and clinking mimosa glasses with Octavia. That's Portia Adwin. She's the head of a pretty big Valduran merchant firm that specializes in Australian trade. Also a widow, married an Australian right after the war. He dropped dead pretty soon after the wedding, got sick, I think. Anyway, she was fucking Octavia's husband for several years, but everybody knew what the situation was, everyone was fine with it, they're quite good friends, actually. Yeah, given how much time she spends with you, I would guess Octavia wasn't that attached to her husband. Celica raises her eyebrows and snorts quietly. She finds men distasteful. Their money, however... She nods at the lady sitting next to Portia Adwin, who is another dwarven lady, significantly younger, like in the human equivalent of about her mid-40s. Very buff, sleek golden hair and beard with a lot of charms and stuff braided into it, sweatband on her forehead, wristbands on her wrists. 
That's the Club Pro Volcatia Stone Grip. Um, she was big in the tennis scene in Volder for most of her life. Tore her ACL in a championship game a few years back, so now she gets to sit around and try to teach a bunch of drunk old ladies how to play tennis. So, her perspective motive is that she's rightfully bitter with the situation? Well, yes, that, and she knows all of the match schedules and has the keys to the locker room. She would have had access and time to get in and get out when no one else was there. And then Celica nods over at the last woman sitting at this table. She is sitting several seats down from Octavia. This older gnomish lady, again, looks to be in the human equivalent of her mid-60s, with just a very nasty, constipated face as she looks over at Octavia, laughing with her friends and talking to them. And that's Calpurnia Hammerbane. She's Octavia's late husband's little sister. She and Octavia don't get along. Octavia married pretty ambitiously, and Calpurnia has always had a little bit of a stick up her ass about that. And that animosity only increased when the old man dropped dead, and Calpurnia got nothing in the will because she's... Well, like that, look at her. Hey Celica, just a quick question, why do you know so much about the interpersonal drama of these old ladies? We are all cogs in the machine of capitalism, Ravane. You shelf books all day for a living. I listen to Octavia talk about her personal life, and she buys me pretty dresses that pay our rent when I resell them. Ravane kind of puts both hands up and takes a step back. All right, fair enough. All right, come on, I'll introduce you two. She leads you over to the table and puts on that big fake smile that you saw her with earlier again. Ladies, how are we doing today? I have missed you all so much. I feel like it's been forever, even though I just saw you yesterday. Portia Adwin, this older dwarvish lady that has been talking with Octavia back and forth, beams up at her. Selica, doll, sit down, sit down. Oh, who's the young blood you brought with you? Selica freezes for a second. Oh, um, this is my son, Ravane, and... Her eyes go a little wide as she looks over at Arabe and realizes that she doesn't have a justification for her being there. This is my... wife. There is an audible cracking noise from how quickly Celica and Arabe both snap their heads around to look at you, jaws agape. Yes, my wife. It's recent, we're trying to keep quiet about... About it, but we are married and kiss sometimes. Ravane, roll me an insight check. Uh oh. <laughs> That's an eight. I don't see shit. You don't see shit, but you feel the lasers that Arabe is glaring into your flesh right now. She also smiles extremely tightly and goes, Why don't you sit down, pumpkin? Oh, he's gonna pay for that later. Ravane sits down. Arave sits next to you, and as soon as her legs are invisible under the table, she stomps down on the top of your foot as hard as she possibly can. You're all seated around this table. Bianca, the beverage cart girl, comes skating by, riding on her cart, and hands all of you mimosas. 
Arave still grinding her heel down into the top of your foot as if to warn you to shut up, goes, Anyway, Octavia, I heard about your incident with the bracelet. That's so unfortunate. And all of the ladies at this table immediately erupt in overlapping chatter of sympathy. You notice Arave looking at all of them very analytically, like she's trying to pick out who's being fake about it. You can go ahead and roll me insight on that, too, if you want. That was a nat 20. Whoa! Okay. 24, baby! Yeah, you see all of these ladies start fawning sympathetically over Octavia, Ravane, and every single one of them is being fake as fuck about it. Nobody at this table, with the exception of maybe Celica, has an ounce of genuine sympathy for this woman. They are all lying through their teeth. Ravane's gonna try to make eye contact with Arave. Okay, are you trying to communicate something non-verbally? Yeah, I'm gonna do my best to kind of indicate, yeah, none of these people like this old lady. <laughs> they all have motive. Okay. Two autistic people with low charisma scores trying to communicate something non-verbally. Roll me performance real quick. Great, 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 great. Natural 18. That's a 19. You meet Arave's eyes where she's sitting in the chair next to you and give her this very weighted look, trying to make her understand that everybody here has a motive. And you feel her heel leave the top of your foot from where she's been stomping on it. She slowly takes a sip of her mimosa and is remaining pretty quiet as she just listens to all of these ladies chatter to each other. It seems like she's gathering as much information as possible. And then after a while, Celica leans over to the two of you and goes, All right, the mimosas seem to be drying up. Didn't you guys say that you had something you wanted to check out in the locker room? It'll probably be pretty crowded in a couple minutes. Yes, we wanted to get our things settled in the locker room before there were too many people there. Let's go. Honey. You feel the lasers of Arabe's glare digging into your flesh again. Sure thing, gumdrop. You two stand up, excuse yourselves from the table, walk back inside the main building of the tennis club. As soon as the door shuts behind you, Arabe fists up a hand in the front of your polo shirt and yanks you in very close. Don't ever make implications like that about us again. I panicked. We needed a reason for you to be here. Your wife? I could be your fucking sister. Your wife? That's what you go for? You said to act like rich people. This is what passes for romantic passion between rich people. Going to a tennis club together. You are so... Right, actually. <laughs> it pains me extremely to admit this. Let's go check the locker room. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll buy you dinner. Arave looks like she's mulling this offer over and then tilts her head to the side. I take my steak medium well, sweet pea. And you both go off to investigate this locker room. The locker room is not 
outrageously lavish. You get the feeling that the draw for the club is the accessory facilities more than the actual tennis or the actual spaces related to the tennis. It's just a bunch of rows of lockers, some benches between them. There's a room labeled showers off of it. And there's another room that has a big office printed across the glass of the door with a plate next to it that has the name Volcatia Stone Grip engraved into it. The lockers all have like little slip in, slip out kind of name plates on them. You know what I mean? Like the paper ones. So Octavia's is not hard to find. It is slightly left open. You assume that Octavia left it open so you could get into it. So Ravain's going to go over to the locker and make an arcana check to see if he can tell if any magic was used to open it. Natural 19. So that's a 24 for Ravain's arcana check. He kind of looks around the door, opens it, closes it, taps at it, and goes, well, it seems to me like somebody used magic on this. I would guess it's a knock spell. Okay. Yeah, so our culprit is a magic user. We can infer that. Arave's going to dig her goggles out of her bag, strap them back around her eyes, and click in a bunch of the zoom-in lenses and try to sweep the rest of the locker room for clues. Okay, go ahead and roll me an investigation check. (laughs) Fun and cool thing about the fact that Arave is an inquisitive rogue, I get plus 11 to investigation. 27. (laughs) Okay. I have a list of clues that you could find with increasing DCs up to 25. You got everything. I think first you kind of peek into Volcatia's office and you find a bunch of betting slips on her desk. All of them are marked losing. All of them are for not insignificant amounts of money. From the office, Arave yells back to Ravain. Okay, looks like our club pros got a little bit of a gambling problem, so they're solidified motive. Ravain yells back. All right, that's not nothing. You go back out into the locker room where he's still fiddling with the door. And you see on the ground next to the locker, a very expensive looking gold earring with a diamond set into it. Arave leans down and picks it up. Huh. Wonder whose this is. Seems like a good question to ask. He fiddles with the door again, like opens it a little wider, closes it to check the hinges. And you see something sticking out of the gap between the door and the locker. Arave elbows Ravain out of the way and grabs at it. You find part of a scorecard from a tennis match. All the identifying information has been ripped off of it, but there are times on it and scores. So you think it would be enough to compare handwriting. And as you are lifting the scorecard to look at it more closely, you get a whiff of perfume off of it. It is a very, like, chocolatey, almondy, musky kind of perfume. Very distinctive. You think you would be able to recognize it if you smelled it again. 
Arave squints down at this scrap of paper, frowns, and then runs back into the office to compare the handwriting on the scorecard and the betting slips. Make me just a raw int check. 21. Yeah, you managed to identify on the various pieces of paper on this desk, including the betting slips, the common handwriting that you would assume to be Volcatia's, and it does not match the writing on the scorecard. Arave picks up the betting slip, carries it out to Ravane, and kind of holds both pieces of paper up in front of him. All right, club pros out, unless this piece of paper belongs to Octavia, but... Why was it stuck in the door? Yeah, and why is half of it missing, if it's Octavia's? She shoves the scorecard over at him. Take a whiff of this. Did you smell this on anybody while we were having drinks? Did I smell? Ravane grabs the scorecard from you, sniffs it, and goes, I mean, it's very strong, but I wasn't sniffing old ladies at the table, Arave. Being an effective detective necessitates the use of all available senses. Ravane, I'm sorry. An effective detective? (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Okay, so we know it wasn't Volcatia. We need to go present what we found to Octavia and cross-reference with her. And then we need to start eliminating suspects. Alright, cool. So we just need to figure out a non-suspicious way to sniff a bunch of old ladies and compare their handwriting to a sample. Great. I mean, we're at a tennis club. I'm sure that scorecards are a pretty common thing to come across here. What if one of us puts some skin in the game, plays a couple rounds, and the other one sits up on the patio with a scorecard and tries to do the vetting that we need to do? That's... Smart, actually. Okay. Ravane kind of looks down at himself. I don't mean to put myself down, but I think we both know that I'm not an athlete. And I'm not great at tennis, but I am pretty good at dodging blows meant to kill me, so I think I could maybe apply that to this situation. How about I provide the distraction, you take the information we've gleaned here, and try to crack this? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really, really sensible. Okay. And Ravane kind of cracks his knuckles and says, All right, let's go play some tennis and interrogate some grandmas. Okay, uh, sorry, I'm just having some trouble following. So who took the bracelet? We're getting there, Verity. I'm trying to build suspense. You're making me anxious on purpose? That's not... Uh... Ravane puts his head in his hands. Anyway. Ravane, Arave shoves all of this evidence into your hand, picks up a tennis racket from a rack beside the door, and goes, Okay. I, uh, am just realizing that I don't know the rules of tennis. We're gonna figure this out as we go. She leads you back out into the lobby, out onto the patio, and goes over to a little booth to sign up for a match. 
leaving you with this table of old ladies that are all still drinking mimosas. What do you do? I'm going to try and pull Octavia aside if I can. Yeah, she's able to pick up what you're putting down. She gets up, goes off towards a bar at the end of this patio with you where Bianca is frantically trying to stock the beverage cart. All right, so what'd you find in there? Well, uh, Ruvain pulls out the earring and the scorecard. First of all, are either of these yours? She reaches out and takes both items into her hands. You see her frown down at this scrap of scorecard and go, Nah, this ain't mine. And hand it back to you. And then she looks at the earring and goes, This is familiar. I've seen it before, but it's not mine. Interesting. Uh, we found, and he waves the scorecard around, this torn off in the hinge of your locker door. And we found that, and he points at the earring, on the floor outside of it. I don't know if either of these is necessarily indicative, but it's what we have. So, we managed to rule out Volcatia based on the scorecard. And I think I caught some magic being used on your locker door. In the background, you hear a crash of glass breaking. You turn around and Bianca, trying to stock her beverage cart, has dropped a couple of glasses on the ground. Her expression is really weird. She kind of scrambles, goes, oh, God, sorry, sorry, and starts trying to scoop everything up and try to clean up the mess that she made. Octavia frowns and goes, well, no one here last night is a magic user. Uh, oh, okay, that's weird, maybe, maybe I was wrong, I- Bianca stalks up her beverage cart very quickly and moves away as fast as possible. Octavia kind of frowns and then reaches down and scoops up a mimosa into her hand. All right, well, it seems like you're doing pretty good work so far, kid. My god, your wife's doing a bang-up job down there! Why aren't you two playing doubles? Down on the tennis court... Arave is playing her fucking heart out against this old Volduran lady. <laughs> I'm gonna roll acrobatics for her. She also gets a plus 11 to this because of rogue things. Dirty 20. She's beating this old lady's ass. She sure is something. Uh, I'm not playing because my hand-eye coordination is, in the words of someone very dear to me, and Ravain, like, raises his hands to do air quotes, abysmal and hazardous to myself and others. Oh, no, I understand. My Claudius was like that. May he rest in peace. Why don't you come over and sit down with me and the girls, and we'll have a couple drinks, and you can, uh, do some more work into figuring out who took my fucking bracelet, yeah? Absolutely. Ravain's gonna go over with her to the table. What do I have to roll to sniff these old ladies without raising suspicions? <laughs> what are you as a dungeon master going to make me roll on my fucking dice? 
You go over to this table with Octavia and sit down next to all these other ladies. Celica is there watching Arave's tennis match pretty intently. They all have scorecards out in front of them, absently riding on them in between sips of their mimosas. If you want to try to sniff these old ladies, it's going to be a high DC investigation check. I also want to try to compare their handwriting. I'm assuming that will be a lower DC investigation check. Yes, it will be. Do you want me to roll those together or roll two checks? I want you to roll two checks. Roll to sniff. It's a 13 on the die, so it's an 18. That was a DC 20. But you are able to tell as you kind of move your way around this table to sit down and take as many breaths through your nose as you can suddenly that somebody sitting at this table is wearing the perfume that was clinging to that slip of the scorecard. Go ahead and roll me another investigation check to try to match up the handwriting. Natural 16, 21. The DC on that one was a 15, so you do get it. You make your way around this table and sit down next to Celica, who is talking animatedly to all these other ladies. Octavia sits back down in her chair and starts talking to her friend Portia that Celica talked to you about earlier. They're laughing, shooting jokes back and forth. And all of them have little scorecards out in front of them. They're watching this tennis match where Arave is just absolutely decimating this old lady. It seems a little unfair at this point, honestly. As you look around, you see Calpurnia Hammerbane, the sister-in-law that has big beef with Octavia. Mark down a couple names, a couple scores. Handwriting doesn't match up. You watch... Volcatia Stone Grip, the club pro, write down the same names, the same scores. Handwriting doesn't match up, but you know that because Arave pointed it out earlier. Portia Adwin, this older dwarvish lady, while she is in the middle of a joke to Octavia, marks down a couple scores, and you notice something about the way she writes her sixes that seems uncanny and extremely familiar you look down at the scrap of scorecard in your hand and you see that same number six written down and it matches up as he notices that i think ravain's gonna lean over to portia and hold up the earring and say hey i was in the locker room trying to get my thing settled And I noticed this on the floor near a locker that had your name on it. Uh, Is this yours? Portia frowns and reaches up to touch at her earlobes, where she does have two very nice gold and diamond earrings hanging. Uh, uh, no, that's not, uh... And from across the table, you hear Calpurnia Hammerbane go, Oh shit, did I lose that last night? She reaches out and grabs the earring out of your hand and goes, Oh, you were such a doll! These are a family heirloom! I can't imagine what would have happened if I lost this. Glad I could return it. Uh, Losing precious objects with sentimental value like that is always tragic. He sits back and kind of pats at his pocket and says, 
Oh, shoot. Uh, speaking of losing things, I seem to have misplaced my locker key, and my wife will absolutely have my ass if I can't get back in and get our changes of clothes. All of these ladies throw their heads back and laugh. Portia Adwin grins at you, looks down at where Arave is wrapping up this tennis match, and goes, Oh, you two are so cute. It seems like she's really got you wrapped around a little finger. She sure does. Celica, who was in the middle of taking a sip of mimosa, snorts into her glass. And then Portia leans across the table, kind of puts a hand on your forearm and squeezes. All right, honey, I'm going to let you in on a little club secret. If you, uh, lose your locker key or, uh, are too drunk to handle the lock, you know the beverage cart girl, Bianca? I, I, I'm familiar. She's a real bright girl, you know, she's studying at Northridge University. On a scholarship, I think, not sure. But, uh, she knows a Knoxville, she can get you in there. And don't worry, I won't tell your wife. Right. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'll just ask Bianca to knock my locker open. Thanks. Ravain stands up, brushes invisible dust off of his tennis shorts, and says, I will go do that now. At that point, Arave, having handily won her tennis match, comes back up the stairs from the courts and walks across the patio to the table where you're all sitting at. She takes the mimosa out of your hand and takes a deep swig of it. Okay, schnookums, we were gonna talk, right? Yes, we were going to do that. Let's go conversate my wife. Absolutely. My husband. And she gets you by the back of the polo shirt and drags you off into the lobby. No, wait, hold on. Were you two still trying to pitch this? Like, is that how you think that married people talk to each other? How many married people do you think I know socially, Verity? Across the table, Arave shrugs. I mean, that's exactly how my parents talk to each other. Anyway, we're getting to the good part. Let's carry on. So, Arave, after you finish absolutely whooping ass on the tennis court, you and Ravain kind of pull each other away from this table where all these old ladies are drinking their mimosas into a more secluded area. And Ravain says, okay, so as far as what I was able to find out, and he holds up the scorecard, and he says, The handwriting on here matches Octavia's late husband's mistress. My head hurts. What a tangled web these old ladies have woven. Anyway. But the earring belonged to Octavia's sister-in-law. And as far as Octavia knows, neither of them has any magical ability. The only person that was here that does, aside from Celica is the beverage cart girl, Bianca. And apparently, according to Octavia's late husband's mistress, Portia, she has a habit of knocking people into their lockers on the down low after they lose their keys. 
Arave, very sweaty from her tennis match, frowns and puts her racket down on a table. Okay, so we need to talk to Bianca. If nobody else takes the fall for this, it's going to be her. And she... Ravane, I don't think she did it. I mean, we don't know, but either way, it seems like we need to talk to her next. Okay, um, you keep the Golden Girls occupied. I'm gonna go try to talk to Bianca. Is that okay? (sighs) Sure thing, but if Portia keeps looking at me like I'm a piece of meat, I'm out. Understandable. Do your best. Erevay is going to try to pretend that she is quite inebriated and stumble up to Bianca. You find Bianca relatively easily. She's stocking up the beverage cart again because these old ladies blow through mimosas at the speed of sound. Roll insight for me really quick. 19. She is visibly nervous. Like, you watch her hands shake as she's loading things into the cart. She actually drops a glass and goes, Oh, damn it! Arave is pretending to be drunk as she walks over towards her, but then adopts a very serious posture and leans over the top of the beverage cart. Hi, Bianca, right? Ah, uh, that's me. Nice to meet you. I'm Arave. We need to talk. Do you have a second to come into the locker room? She freezes. Yeah, sure. Just let me, yeah. And she gingerly puts everything she's working with into the beverage cart, locks it up, and nods. Right. Yeah, let's let's go. Arave's going to lead her into the locker room and walk over to Octavia's locker. Okay. First things first, you're not in trouble. Yet. I need you to be honest with me, because I'm in your corner here, Bianca. She points back at the locker. You opened this for someone, didn't you? Bianca bursts into tears. Big, messy, red-faced sobbing. I, I, I know I'm not supposed to open the lockers for anybody, but sometimes the old ladies get drunk, and they just can't open them for themselves. And they tip well, and my fucking tuition is through the roof, even with a scholarship, and this is my third job, and I, I... It's okay, it's okay. I need to know who you opened this locker for. Bianca sniffles, wipes her nose, goes... Mrs. Andwin. I opened it for Mrs. Andwin. I thought it was hers. I know hers is on this row. It's it's three down, and I just forgot which... Gah! She said it was that one, and I didn't think anything of it. Bianca, I need you to listen to me very carefully. You did not do anything wrong. You were just doing your job... But no one with authority in this situation is going to operate under that assumption. When bad things happen to shitty old rich people, like the ones that you work for, they always blame the help first. You need to protect yourself. And right now, 
the way you protect yourself is by casting a knock spell on Portia Andwin's locker and letting me look around in there. I... She sniffles again. All right. Fine. And she's going to cast knock on the locker. Aravate digs through that shit extensively. Roll investigation. 22. The first thing you notice is that the perfume smell in this locker is the same as what you smelled on the scorecard. The second thing you notice is there is a silver charm bracelet in this locker. You didn't get a physical description of Octavia's bracelet, but it seems to match up. And the third thing is that Portia Anwin has left her purse in her locker, and there is a little leather-bound book sticking out of it. Arave picks up the book and leafs through it. It is an expense ledger. You remember what you learned earlier today about Portia Andwin, that she is in charge of a merchant firm that deals mostly in Australian exports. And since the blockade started, she has been going into debt fast, according to this book. I'll be damned. Arave pockets the bracelet and the expense ledger and then shuts the locker, turns around to Bianca, and goes, You did good. You just saved your own ass. I need to go handle the part of this that is my job now. I recommend that if you have the ability to, um, dip out, take a break, maybe, that you do so. I mean, I'm supposed to get a 30-minute lunch, but I'm strongly encouraged to work through it. Take your lunch break, Bianca. Hopefully, this will all be resolved by the time you get back from it. All right. She wipes her eyes, and she's gonna leave. Aravay is running immediately to find Ravane. Ravane's at the table with all these old ladies again. Uh, They're looking a bit testy. All of their mimosa glasses are empty. But they are idly chit-chatting and watching a tennis game. Hello, darling husband of mine. Can I talk to you for like two seconds? Yes, I am available to talk. Care Bear? Arave gets him by the back of the shirt collar and hauls him off. It's Portia. I've got the bracelet. I've got the evidence. I've got the motive. I've got everything. Oh, okay. So now's the part of the mystery novel where we dramatically call her out and everything gets resolved in two pages? I mean, I think so, but also Octavia said that she didn't want to make a big deal out of this. I think we should maybe wait until everybody's getting ready to go home. I don't know. I've got the bracelet, though. It's in my pocket. Okay. We wait. And we dramatically call her out and lay out all the facts of the mystery at the end of the day when there are only three people here. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That works. Yeah, ostensibly that works. And if it doesn't, we'll make it work. 
good. I knew it wasn't Bianca the beverage cart girl. I was rooting for her. I I mean, it kind of was. She did open the locker. Well, yeah, but... Arave brings her hand up to pinch at the bridge of her nose. (sighs) Anyway, the conclusion of the story is... Ravane, you and Arave spend several more minutes sitting at this table with all these old ladies just chugging mimosas. At one point, you feel Arave reach over and squeeze at your side and pass you this beautiful silver and diamond charm bracelet. She nods towards Octavia and then looks off back towards the lobby in the locker room. And you get the feeling that she's indicating that you should maybe make your move now. I'm going to try and figure out how we can get Portia separated from the crowd of people out at the tennis court. Hey, Portia, Octavia, uh, I've been thinking I should really try to up my tennis skills if we're going to be regular members of the club. What say... You two play a doubles match against me and my wife. Octavia tilts her head at you and frowns like she thinks you're very stupid. Ah, all right, Portia, you up for it? And Portia grins very excitedly. I mean, we're gonna hand your asses to you, but all right. Selica, how about you come with us? So you can give me pointers on the way. You, Octavia Hammerbane, Portia Anwen, Celica, and Arave all get up from this table and head back towards the locker room. You're all inside. The door closes behind you. What would you like to do? I would like to pull the bracelet out of my pocket, gesture with it dramatically, and point at Portia. And say, we've caught you red-handed. Okay, but did you really say that? Because that's a really cool moment, and you don't say anything cool ever. Ravane's lips pinch together, and he just closes his eyes and nods a couple times pensively. Thank you, babe. Well, I mean, look, if you're exaggerating for the terms of good storytelling, that's totally fine, but I just need you to be honest with me, baby, please. Anyway. Ravane points dramatically at Portia, no context, and says, We know you did it! And then stops, and then fumbles the bracelet out of his pocket and holds it up like a man on the edge. Ravane turns to Verity and says, Is that enough honesty? Honesty's all I ask for, babe. Anyway. Portia's eyes get very wide, and she goes, Ah, shit! Okay, I thought you were gonna fight me on it. She tries to dive out of the locker room, and Arave easily blocks her access to the door, just stands there, eyebrows raised, arms crossed over her chest. 
Anyway, is this the part where you do your big supervillain monologue? You explain why you took the bracelet, something, something, all of this makes you the good guy in the end, or... Portia throws her head back and laughs very cruelly and then snaps her head over to look at Octavia. <laughs> we all knew that he actually loved me. We knew what this was. And we knew that he was fucking paranoid. And he took all of his assets out of the goddamn will and put him in that fucking lockbox. And you and I both knew that the key to the lockbox was on the bracelet, Octavia, alright? What? Portia, wild-eyed, snaps around to look at you really quickly before turning back around to glare at Octavia. You were the only person that got taken care of in the will. It was just you. Meanwhile, I'm out here fighting for my fucking life. My business is going under. And I know where there's a lockbox full of cash. What the hell else was I supposed to do? You wear like a lot of gold jewelry. Was the was the idea of selling it not... It, never mind. You know what? This is personal drama. It was a lot of money, kid. Octavia Hammerbane looks deeply hurt and reaches out and grabs the bracelet from your hand, Ravane, and then looks over at her very good friend. You know, Portia, it is only because I don't want to bring the cops in on this that I am not going to nail your ass to the wall. But you better never show your ugly mug at this tennis club again. Walk away. And Portia turns on her heel and walks out. Well, that feels very anticlimactic. Octavia blinks slowly and slips the bracelet back around her wrist. Eh, we've both done a lot of felonies, kid. Neither one of us want to get the authorities involved. You know what? Fair enough. This has been a weird day. I'm gonna slam a mimosa and then go home and finish my book. And then we cut back to the apartment. Our camera fades back to color. <laughs> as Ravane puts his head back down on the table. <laughs> and Verity says, That's it? There wasn't any big showdown? Or she just can't go to the tennis club anymore? Arave, who still has her head in her hands, goes, Yeah, apparently. You know, don't you wish that our problems could just be resolved by us not being able to go to the tennis club anymore, Verity? But there wasn't even a dramatic chase? Nobody had to jump into a pond? Nothing? Why did you two look so disheveled when you got back? Oh, that, um, we tried to jaywalk and- Almost got run over by a food truck on the way home. You know, you two really have to be more careful with that. Apparently people are very serious about when you're supposed to cross the road. No, yeah, we figured that out. Verity, can you please get dinner sorted tonight? Because I think Ravane and I have both had a very long day, and we can't. And then behind all of you, you hear the doorway swing open. And Celica walks in with a 
huge paper bag cradled in her arms. Hey everybody! Octavia was extremely grateful for getting her bracelet back and got us takeout for the evening, so... Anybody interested in having Tordunian for dinner? Ravane and Verity both raise their hands. <laughs> Erevé sighs and then also raises her hand. <sighs> anyway, a happy ending, I suppose. Yeah, it's a good thing that we all lead relatively uncomplicated lives. You know, aside from the brewing war and the recent deaths of our close friends and... I call dibs on the mozzarella sticks. And that's all for us this time <laughs> on a compelled dual bonus episode. Hey everybody, Barry here with the postscript, just clearing up a couple things here at the end of the episode. We hope you enjoyed this very special bonus episode that we put out several months ago for our $5 patrons on Patreon. We were very excited to share it with everybody. As usual, you can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok at CompelledDuel. We have lots of other cool stuff going on, though, like our official Spotify account, our official website. You can find all of that linked on all of our social media profiles. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, we ask that you consider going over to patreon.com slash and taking a look at all of our different patron benefits. Starting at just $2 a month, you can get things like early access to new episodes, access to exclusive playlists on our official Spotify profile access to exclusive bonus content, even things like special letters, postcards, and secret codes from your favorite characters from Campaign 1 and upcoming characters from Campaign 2. Speaking of Patreon, a very big thank you to our latest new patron, Lady Ven. Thank you so much for your support. If you're interested in other methods of supporting the podcast, we ask that if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that you leave us a rating or review. That really helps broaden our audience and get the show's name out there. And as always, word of mouth advertising is the biggest tool we have in our arsenal. If you like the show, tell a friend about it. And if they like it, ask them to tell a friend. We are hard at work on campaign two, rest assured. However, we are also in the process of getting ready to pack up and move cross-country, so the wheels are turning a little slower than usual. We're going to keep putting out bonus content while we're getting Campaign 2 ready to go. This was just the first of several bonus episodes we'll be releasing, and the next couple are going to be uh, something else. So keep your eyes peeled for our next bonus episode to come out on Friday, August 5th, 2022, or if you're a member of our Patreon, you'll be getting early access to that on Thursday, August 4th. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you next time.